And while the players jumped and the coach was, was ecstatic that they had actually you know, beat this foe in the first round of the NCAA tournament, there was one player that didn't really move from the bench because he hadn't really done anything all game, but he just kind of sat there on the last part of the bench just with a big smile. And his name was Ryan Falquist. You're probably not going to see him on your NBA fantasy basketball team. Uh, you're not going to want to pick him up for any blocks or assists because he never made it that far. Ryan never played for Butler that year or that game or anything. But the thing that impressed me most about him was that he had a goal in high school to play Division I basketball. He wanted to achieve that. And it was interesting because in my high school in Zionsville, Indiana, we had a lot of guys that were really talented. We had one guy that was real, almost six foot ten, and he could shoot the lights out with three-pointers. I think he led the league that, uh, the state of Indiana that year in three-point percentage. And he was a great player, and he got a scholarship. Yeah, another guy that could do like 360 dunks, and it's just amazing things, amazing athletes, but we never were able to do anything with that talent, and it was so disappointing. And, but Ryan, though, I played basketball with him during lunch, and I was never really that impressed by this guy's athletic ability or anything about him, really. But the one thing, though, that I could t always tell by him, though, was that he always gave it his heart. He always put forth a full effort. And even though he never started a high school game, he always sat on the bench, he still had that goal. I want to play Division I basketball, and I'm going to do that. So when he graduated from... Zionsville, nobody was knocking on his door. Nobody was saying, hey, hey, we want you to come and play for us. Nobody even knew about him. And so he went to a junior college and played there and worked his way up to the starting lineup near the end of the year. But in the last game, he fell to the ground. And with it, his hopes and his dreams and his goals of making a Division I basketball program because he hurt his knee. And he had to have knee surgery that offseason but you know what? That didn't deter Ryan because he still came back stronger than before. He still had a desire. He still wanted to play uh, Division I basketball. And so he came back, he made the team again, made the starting rotation, and just had a great year. Well, of course, again, nobody really heard of the junior college. And again, he was back where he started before. Only now, at least he had some experience. And so he decided, well, I'm just going to walk on to this school in Marion, Indiana, Butler, and I'm going to see if they'll, if they'll take me. And that's what he did, and he made the team. I remember talking to him after the NCAA tournament, and I said, hey, you know, that's a great achievement. You know, what, what's your goal for next year? And he said, you know what, my goal for next year is I'm going to earn playing time. I thought, wow, that's amazing. And I never was able to check the box scores or anything like that because I had to go down to Florida. But knowing Ryan, I know that he probably achieved his goal because he always did. He always achieved whatever it is he set forth. And while he may not have had talent, a lot of the talent, but he had the heart, he had the desire, he was not going to give up. You know, in a lot of ways, that's kind of like the story of the Israelites. You know, in a lot of ways. Because Israelites are people, are a group of people, never owned their own land, and now here in the book of Joshua, chapter 1, they're on the brink, they're on the cusp of realizing their goals and realizing those dreams that they have. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Joshua chapter 1. We'll start in verse 5. Maybe you today have some goals, some desires, and things that you would like to achieve for 2006. And kind of the context of the story in Joshua chapter 1 is that Moses has died, and Joshua is now the new leader. 
And so the same instructions that God gives Moses here are the kind of instructions that, in a sense, we can apply to our lives as we go about our day and as we uh, go about our year. Verse 5 says this, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of a good courage. For to this people you shall, drive, you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and have a good courage? Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. There's a word that I want you to kind of hone in on there, and it's in verse 8, and it's the word success. Because as it's translated there, it only appears once in the Bible. Now it appears 78 other times in the Bible, but in those other times, the idea is to be wise. It's to have insight. It's to have understanding. And so my whole point here by saying that is that you're not going to have success financially, necessarily, Although you may, and it's not talking about having fame or power, but the idea is to have success in your Christian life, in your life. So, how can you have success in your Christian life in 06? Well, I believe there are three elements to having success in your Christian life in 06. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this, Life consists of what a man is thinking about all day long. And I believe that's pretty true. In fact, that's my first point. Is My first element is we need to be thinking. We need to be thinking. Sometimes my dad asked me the question, what were you thinking? And I have to say, well, you know, I wasn't really thinking. Actually, that's the reason why I did that to your car. I didn't know that it was there. Who knew that it was back behind me? I didn't know that. I'm sorry about that. But that's kind of the idea here. If you look back at verse 8 and 9 here, let's read that again in Joshua chapter 1. It says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. In verse 8 it says, But you shall meditate in it day and night. Now here's the idea of the word meditate. It actually means to murmur. It's kind of add the idea. It's not just a, well, I'm, I'm thinking about something, but it's a taking something, not just maybe you read the Bible in the morning or whatever, you think about it. You know, it's not like, oh, yeah, I thought about that. It's that you're taking it with you. You're meditating on it. You're thinking about it. You're murmuring about it. And it's kind of like the New Testament word. If you turn over to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, you can just read it on the screen. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Interesting, the King James Version translates that as think on these things. And so 
Here's the idea. The word actually is used in Romans chapter 6, verse 11 to say, reckon yourselves to be dead to sin. So it kind of has the idea of to estimate, to think about something, not just a passive, okay, I thought about that. But it is a calculation here. It is a, I'm taking every, I'm taking inventory of everything, and now I'm thinking about this. Now, if we'll go back to Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, here's the idea of that word here. Meditate. It's kind of like this. Think back a long time ago. I don't know how long ago for some of you. But when you first met your wife or you met your husband, what were the things you were doing? You would call her up and you would be like, hey, how's it going? And she would say, oh, I'm doing fine. And then you would say, hey, I just wanted to let you know that uh, I was thinking about you. And when you said that, when you told her that you were thinking about her, she thought, you were thinking about me. And then she would say, well, I was thinking about you, too. And uh, you would do that, you know, and you were consumed with this idea of this person. You would think about their personality. You'd think, oh, they did the cutest thing there, you know. They just dropped this thing on themselves, and it was so funny. And, you know, all these little things you would think about. And that's kind of the idea here of this word. Also, it kind of reminds me of cows. And you're probably wondering how that reminds me of cows. Well, it reminds me of cows because cows have four stomachs. Don't ask me how I know this. These are just random facts I know. I don't know why. Uh, maybe I saw them on the back of a cereal box. Who knows? But here's the idea. Whether they're four stomachs, some people say, hey, they're four compartments. Either way, the idea is that there's four places in a cow where you can put food. And so Bessie may be in the meadow that day, and she might, early in the day, she might go down to the creek or crick, wherever kind of part of the country you're from, she might go down there, and she might be eating of the grass, and she's sitting there, and she's thinking, hey, you know what? I remember I had some great grass early this morning. You know what? I'd like to have that again. And so she just brings it back up out of one of her stomachs. I don't know how she does that. That's pretty remarkable. I guess that's why they're so delicious. But, you know, she brings that back up, and she starts chewing again. And cows will actually chew for eight hours in a day. It's a lot of chewing. And they do that because they want to get every single thing, every nutrient, all that stuff out of the grass. Again, that's the idea of this word meditate. When I'm meditating on God's word, as God's trying to get Joshua, he's saying, hey, I want you to be thinking about my word so that you're going to get everything out of it. And when you do that, that's going to help you keep your focus. And see, that's really the key because sometimes as Joshua's going to go in and going to face the battles there, they were going to get pretty scared when they saw those big walls of Jericho. They were going to get pretty scared when the sun was going down, and they were like, how are we going to be able to finish off these guys? But God was able to make the sun stand still and give them the daylight that they needed. So we have to keep our focus because when we don't, we can have negativity creep in. And when that does, when we start thinking negative thoughts and those feelings or whatever, we start having that, that is when we are going to set ourselves up for failure. And it reminds me of the San Diego Chargers. <laughs> uh, I, am a, I am a San Diego Chargers fan, I'm, I'm afraid. But, you know, Drew Brees is their quarterback. And in 2003, they went 4-12. and 12, And they really stunk. I mean, I know they weren't that great this year, but they really stunk then. And every, the talk of the town was, hey, we got to get rid of this guy. we got to get rid of him as quarterback. And they get the number one pick in the draft, and they take this guy, this great quarterback, and then he doesn't want to play for them because they really stink. And they get another guy. And so I wondered, what was Drew Brees thinking about when this happened? Because he's thinking, I thought I was the guy. And so now he's not the guy. 
But that didn't get him down. What he did was he started picturing, rather than all those interceptions that he threw the year before, he started picturing throwing touchdowns. He started picturing them making the playoffs. He started having more of a picture, not of negative things, but of the positive things. Now, I'm not talking about we should have the power of positive thinking in our lives. But what I'm really saying that is he didn't dwell on the negative things. He didn't dwell on the 4-12 and season. He didn't let the fact that there was another young stud quarterback that was going to take his place. What he said is, I'm still a quarterback of this team. And he went in training camp, and the other guy didn't show up. So that's how he's still the quarterback. But he was able to make the Pro Bowl that year. He was comeback player of the year. And he was able to do all these amazing things. And the thing was, he just kept his focus and was able to help him through that difficult time. But not only must we keep our focus, but we also need to keep our actions consistent. And this is really probably one of the most difficult things to do because we all make New Year's resolutions. How many of you have made a New Year's resolution? Okay, maybe it's just me. Uh, but uh, you still have time. Don't worry, you still have time. There's still 365, 64, 63 days left, something like that. So you still have plenty of time to make a New Year's resolution. But... Here's the idea. We make a New Year's resolution maybe in the past. And I would have this roommate. And in college for two years, his name was Joe Varner. And he would always say to me, beginning of the year, you know what? This is the year. I'm going to work out. I'm going to eat right. I'm not going to drink sodas. And uh, I'm going to do that. And I would say, all right, Joe, that's great. You know, I'm really proud of you. Every semester he would say this. And about a month into the semester, I would see him in the dining center. I would say, hey, Joe, how's it going? And he would say, hey, I'm fine. And I'm like, hey, I haven't seen you in the uh, field house working out lately. You know, what's, where have you been, you know? And he's like, oh, well, you know, I'm just so busy, you know, and I can't do that. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, that's, that's a nice meal you got there. You got the three food groups there, pizza, uh, cheeseburgers, and fries. That's pretty cool. I, I don't, what, what happened to the nuts and berries and twigs you were going to eat there? And he was like, oh, well, you know, I, you know, it's, and he found out that it was very difficult to continue this, continue this whole keeping this goal that he had set. But every semester, sure, you know, he was always going to do that. He was always going to tell me that he was going to do that. But maybe you made a New Year's resolution or whatnot. But the idea is when I'm meditating on God's word, that's going to help me to keep my focus. It's going to help me to keep my actions consistent. And that leads, me, leads us to our second element which is not only must we be thinking about God's word, but we also must be true to God's word. If you look at verse 8 of Joshua chapter 1, it says this. It says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Let's just hone in on that word observe there. He is saying there, essentially, I don't want you to just meditate on my word, but I want you to take my word with you as you go about your day and let it influence you so that you will help you obey, simply. And it's going to affect your life. And not only is it going to affect your life, but it's going to affect the lives of those that are going to be around you. This is going to help you follow through in your daily life. Charles Swindoll um, gives a story about how... He, he just said, for instance, what if uh, one day you were, you were working for a large company and the CEO of the company says, hey, you know what? I'm going on a long vacation. I'm going to be gone six months. 
And every day, I'm going to send you a fax. And you're going to get that fax, and you need to do what that fax tells you to do. And so every day, he faxes you, and, and you get that fax. And he comes back after the six months is over, and he walks in, and his mouth drops open because there's like, hey, there's like a party going on in the office. And your boss is like looking around, and he like, he gets almost hit by a conga line. You know, they're just going through there. And he's like, what in the world's going on here? And he sees a guy with a lampshade on his head there. And he's like, what is going on here? He's like trying to find where you're at. And, and he says, hey, hey, where, where's, uh, where's Bob? And uh, they say, I don't know. I think he's in this room. And so, you know, your boss goes in the room and sees this huge group, huge study group there. And he says, hey, what's, uh, what's the deal? And everyone looks up at him, and he's motioning for you to come out because you have your feet on his desk. And so you come out there, and he says, hey, what are you doing? What's, what's going on? There's like a party here. And he's like, you're like, well, um, you know, well, uh, you know, we're just working, you know. And you're, he's like, working? It doesn't look like you're working. It looks like you're just having a good time. And, you know, he says, didn't you get my faxes? Didn't you get those things? And you say, well, yeah, I did. We got every fax. In fact, we were just having a study group over the fax. Can you believe that? That's amazing. And you begin to say how, yeah, we have some of the really smart guys. They diagram your faxes. Can you believe that? Some of these guys are really smart, you know. And some of them look at the syntax of the fax. They're just trying to get a picture of what exactly you're trying to say. Some people are real eggheads, and they're just uh, looking up the words to make sure that they know exactly that's the correct meaning of the word there. And your boss is sitting there like, okay, this is a little strange. And he says, well, that's great that you did those things, but you didn't really obey what I said. And that's kind of the idea here with um, Joshua, is that not only should you take God's word and think about it and say, oh, I, I I read God's word and I thought about that, but you should allow it to influence your life. And by allowing it to influence your life, it's going to help you be able to obey God. We need, to, we need to apply it to our lives. It's like Exodus chapter 23. If you'll turn there. Exodus chapter 23. The Israelites had a problem with following things through. And in Exodus 23, verse 27, he says, I will send my fear before you. I will cause confusion among the people to whom you come. And will make all your enemies turn their backs to you, and I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before you. I will drive them out before, uh, from before you in, the, in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Little by little I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and you inherit the land." And the idea is God was saying, look, we're doing a partnership here, and it's not just going to be me that's doing the whole thing, but you're actually going to do some of it yourself. So God wasn't going to leave them high and dry. God wasn't just going to give it to them, though, but they also had to do some work as well. And it kind of reminds me of Matthew chapter 25. Let me just see if I can find that here. Matthew chapter 25. As Christians, one of the things that we can get is eternal rewards. Oh, good, it's up there. And we can be working towards eternal rewards in the coming new year. But you see, while salvation is free, it is an eternal reward that's something that we have to earn. It's like the, 
Uh, it's like the Israelites. Hey, the land was theirs. They just had to work for it. They had to go out there. They actually had to do the fighting for their inheritance. And the same thing is true for us. You know, the inheritance is there if we want to have that. That's something that we should, prob- that we should strive for. And it says here in verse 20, it says, yes, verse 20, it says, So he who had received five talents came and brought five talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter the joy of your Lord. He also... He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he, verse 24 says, then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, verse 25, and went and hid your town in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. And God was displeased by this person because they didn't do anything with what they were being given. All of us have been given something. Uh, I don't know what that is. It's uh, Everyone has a different spiritual gift. But all of us have something to work with. Some of us have more, some of us have less. And the idea is that we need to be using those things maybe in the next coming year. Maybe that can be a goal. I want to live for the Lord. But either way, if I will meditate on God's Word, that's going to help me observe God's Word. That's going to prevent me from doing the up-and-down roller coaster Christianity that maybe some of us experience. We can have a better Christian life if we'll just observe and be true to God's Word. Not only must we be thinking about God's Word, we should be true to God's Word but we should also be tough with God, according to God's word. Now look at verse 5 and 6 of Joshua chapter 1. Verse 5 and 6. It says, verse 5 says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of a good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Now look at verse uh, 9. It says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of a good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The phrase, be strong and of a good courage, appears many times throughout that passage. And in verse 7, it has, it kind of, it appears in the passage and it's connected with God's word. And the idea is not necessarily just be, be strong and good courage when you're facing your foes in a military sense, but be strong of a good courage when it comes to God's word. Now the word strong has the idea to be steadfast, immovable, and be strong. And in relation to our goals and the things that we set in the coming year, we're going to face temptation. We're going to face something where we might say, hey, you know that, that diet? Uh, we can get really discouraged. We might join 24-hour fitness and we might go in there and we might, have a, we might need to lose a little weight. And we go in there and we think that when we leave that night, we'll have a six-pack somehow. Or we might say, oh, immediately I will just become this new creation, this new person, or whatever. 
And, you know, I've done that before. I got in there, I'm like, hey, what happened? Where's my muscles? And uh, it reminds me of a story of what happened to me a couple of years ago when um, I started working out. And believe it or not, I was more skinny than I am now. And I started working out for the first time, and I noticed something interesting when I was working out, and that is I felt a bump here in my arm. And at first I thought, what is this? You know, do I have something wrong with me? Then I realized it was actually a muscle. And so, you know, in that sense, I was like, wow, it was just so amazing. I was flexing in the mirror. I was like, wow, look at this, man, look at that. And I was doing all the poses. And I remember hearing my friend laugh, and he said, Dan, Dan. And I turned around, and he pointed, and there was this huge guy. I've never seen anybody bigger than him. And he looked like he was on steroids or something. But he said, hey, don't worry, you'll get there someday. And I thought, yeah, I thought I was there. I thought I achieved it. What's, what's going on here? You know, I thought I was the man. But I guess I wasn't. But you know what? My friend told me later, he said, hey, don't let that discourage you. You know, it takes time to get to these things. It's not going to happen overnight. And even though it doesn't happen overnight, we need to keep pressing on and be encouraged. John chapter 16, verse 33 says this. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And you're going to have trials and tribulations. Whenever you set a goal, there's going to be things that are going to get in your way. As Joshua chapter 1, the Lord encourages me, says, Hey, don't turn. Don't turn to the left hand. Don't turn to the right hand. Just stay on the track that you're on. And you know what? Don't get discouraged in your Christian life if it gets difficult. Because it's supposed to be getting difficult. If it's too easy, then it might, might leave you to wonder. But he says, hey, it's supposed to be difficult. It's, you're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulations. Just count on that. But you know what? As the Lord says, I have overcome the world. James Allen said this, and he said it best. You are today where your thoughts have brought you. You will be tomorrow where your thoughts take you. And I think that's very true. If I meditate on God's word, that's going to help me in the future in my Christian walk. Maybe it will be really tough in the beginning, but it's going to help me to observe, to do according to God's word. And by doing that, that's going to help me to stay tough. That's going to help me to stay tough in those difficult times when I'm tempted to go astray. You can have whatever goal, whatever Christian life that you can be, have a better 2006 and maybe 2005. If you'll just be thinking, if you'll just be true, and if you'll be tough. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for all you've done for us, Lord. And I just pray you use the message for your honor and your glory. And thank you so much. And I don't know what goals people have set for this year, but I just ask, Father, that you would help them achieve those. In Jesus' name, amen. Dan, thank you so much. It's going to be a tough act to follow here. I can't compete. I uh, really, really appreciate uh, the heart and the love that Dan puts into the teaching of the Word of God. And uh, I think that uh, 
there's a lot we can learn 